Welcome to an inspiring message from Awaken City Church. For more information about us, visit awakencity.com.au. Bring a pastoral message to you that that is a, a weird message for me. But generally, when a pastor like me comes along, they say, "Kate, get off the grandstand and uh, stop being a spectator. Get onto the field of play." And I realise there's a flaw in that argument because there's a small slither of land between the grandstand and the field of play that people rarely talk about, and it's called the bench. And it's not in the limelight, right? But it seems to me that, that not every great play is always on the field at the same time. And I just want to introduce the idea of the bench. And I want to say this, just because you're not on the field doesn't mean you're not part of the team. That there's no, no successful team in all of history has all of their A-grade players all playing at exactly the same time. There's a movement, not, not back to the spectator stand. There's a movement from field to bench, bench to field, field to bench, bench to field. And, and it, it's going to be a key to your success. And I'll tell you what you need to beat is, is, is when we're on the bench, we think we're on the shelf. And some of you think that you're on the shelf and it's doing a disservice because God's never made a shelf in His life. He only makes benches. And the bench is a transient place, a transitional place. It's a place of rest. It's a place of recovery. But some of you are mistaken at thinking, look, I'm on the shelf. And a shelf is something where you place your discarded, uh, you know, you put ornaments on it and, and everything that you have no real need for. And some of you relationally think that you're on the shelf. I want to say it's not true. God doesn't make shelves. You've not, you've not been forgotten about by God. God is with you. He doesn't make shelves. There's no such thing as redundancy for those who lie for the kingdom of God. The best plans are ahead for every single one of you. And I just, in summary, I just want you to slide off that shelf and slide onto the bench. The best is yet to come for everyone in this room. The bench is temporary, but it's necessary. Some of you just need to get off the field of play and slide over to the bench. There's some here that need to stay on the bench just a little bit longer because you're actually scratchy thinking, my esteem is built into performance. Well, you got something a little bit wrong there. So until God can detox you from success culture, then I don't think He wants you back on the field of play. Otherwise, when people don't appreciate your guitar playing, you'll take your guitar down to Nations Church and do all the wrong thing. Because your esteem is built into what you do, not who you are and whose you are. And there's a whole bag full of people in this room. You need to get off. You need to start tying up your shoelaces because your time on the bench is finished. And it's time to get up back onto the field of play for the greatest season of your entire life. And so don't get used to sitting down watching other people play. This is your time to play the beautiful game with all of your heart and all of your strengths. Not every great player is ever on the field at the same time. Some are resting, 
some are recovering, some are reinventing, some are injured, some are new to the premiership. You can tell the future of a team, whether it's going to go all the way or falter mid-season, not by who's on the field, but by who's on the bench. It's called depth of team, isn't it? A number of years ago, David Beckham in England was playing in South Africa, but he wasn't actually playing. He was, he was injured and everyone expected him to be at home uh, injured, but he wasn't. He was on the bench injured and he wasn't on the shelf. He wasn't at home in a onesie. He wasn't on the stands. He wasn't in the commentary box. He was on the bench, he was injured, he was down, but he wasn't out. And I suggest some of you uh, need to blow out the candles on your pity party. And stop being satanically dragged back to the spectator stand, making commentary on what's happening in the beautiful game called the church today. Blow out the candles and come. It's very easy to preach here. I'm finding myself preaching so well. <laughs> and to walk down and repent from the spectator stand and take your seat on the bench. There's a bunch of people here that are like Beckham's on the bench. People young and old who have been in the field of conflict in the arena of Goliath slaying forerunners in the game, you've been knocked around, you're now recovering, resting, you've completed a season, an innings, a tour of duty. And so I wanna say thank you. If it wasn't for the legends in this place, where would the rest of us be? If it wasn't for the forerunners, where would, if it wasn't for the pioneers, if it wasn't for the Vasco da Gamas, if it wasn't for the Columbuses, if it wasn't for the Stuarts, if it wasn't for the Burke and Wills, where would we be today? They might appear to be exhausted, but without their breakthrough gift, we'd be nowhere today. And there are Burke and Wills in this room right now. There are pioneers of the faith in this room right now. And I wanna say on behalf of heaven, thank you so much. You know who you are. You're a little bruised, you're a little bit grumpy, but you're honoured by God. You're fabulous people and you've done the hard yards. So the rest of us can drink from the well that you pulled the rocks out of for such a time as this. Psalm 134 speaks about you and says, and talks about those who ministered by night in the house of the Lord. And then it says, lift up your hands and bless the name of the Lord. Manchester United, if we just take that as a team, it's not great because of the Ryan Giggs or the, uh, or the Wayne Rooney's. It's great because of the Matt Busby's, the Bobby Charlton's and the George Best's. There's greatness in it. There's greatness in this church. You can smell it in the atmosphere. There's depth of team within this place. And once there's depth of team, you've got to realise there's got to be a maturity to this church. Not everyone needs to be on the field of play at exactly the same time. And just because you're not doesn't mean you're out of it. You're still part of the Premier League. You're still part of the beautiful game. Secondly, I want to say to those who have completed a season, the game's not over until the fat angel sings. It's not the end. When Jesus said it's finished, it wasn't. 
It was the season had finished. The purpose for his time on earth had finished, but he wasn't finished. I mean, he was, he was on earth for 33 years, but he spent the last 2,000 years lifting his hands in intercession, in intercessory ministry on behalf of the church of God and on behalf of humanity. And so the season was finished. And I wanna suggest to a whole bag full of people in this room right now, it's an ad break. It's not the end of the box set. It's not, it's not the end of the, it's not the end of, Everything, it's just, it's just a blank page in between chapters. I, stop, it's finished. No, no, the chapter's finished. An ad break, you know about ad breaks because you live in Australia where there's an ad break every seven minutes on television. And then when, and then, you know, product placements everywhere. You know about that. But the show isn't finished. The show called You, it's not finished. The ways of the righteous spiral upwards, but it's punctuated by ad breaks, by blank sheets between chapters. You might feel like you're on the shelf. You used to be the star player, the life of the party, the one that others wanted for their team. You used to have a bunch of friends, you did everything together. You used to worship together, do stewards together, be in connect groups together, some be in eldership together. You used to be in a relationship that despite your best efforts grew cold and distant. And some relationships have died in your hands. It's not the end. It's just an ad break. It's very rare in life that the same group of friends that took you from A to B are the same group that takes you from B to C. It's very rare that. In actual fact, the problem with people who took you uh, from the miry clay out to survival still see you as someone part loser. Usually it needs a different person to take you from the lowlands of survival to the highlands of victory because they have no impression of you drowning in the sea of despair. They just see you as you actually are, the new man alive with the new Spirit of God. And so some friends wanna keep you back and sometimes God says, hey, no more. He puts a wall between you and the old and you think something's wrong, they don't love me anymore. No, it's a sovereign move of God. You don't need them anymore. That's what's happening. But some of you are so people orientated because you love people. You think that something's wrong with you or something's wrong with them. May I suggest nothing's wrong. There's nothing wrong with spring when it turns into summer. There's nothing wrong with summer when it turns into autumn. They're just seasons. And so you need to get with what God's actually doing. This is your opportunity to recover, get reinvented, get recharged for the greatest season. And also, I just need to say this, that life was never as good as you thought it was. It's like when I listened to Aussie music back in the 80s, I'm thinking it was terrible, but I thought it was good at the time. And uh, you know, you've always been, and this is every one of us in this room, you've always been a square peg in a round hole. It's just that we tend to romanticise the past and think, hey, they were brilliant days. Really? Because people do that with church life. They think church life back in the 70s and 80s and the 90s was just a brilliant time. Really? 
Why aren't we still there then? It's because it wasn't as brilliant as you make it out to be. And in all of your life, you've been a square peg in a round hole. And even though I would say that it's good for character development, it's not God's ultimate will. And so God's ultimate desire is you grow in character, but eventually you'd become a square peg in a square hole and a round peg in a round hole. Eventually you'd find something in Christ that maximises your effectiveness for the Kingdom of God. And so it's a journey of discomfort that you're on, but it's moving to a place where you become more so the right person in the right place at the right time, doing the right things and seeing the right outcome to everything you do. And so because we're on a journey, we're just passing through this moment in time on our way to God maturing us and placing us in a more perfect place than we have been in the past within our lives. In Psalm 138 verse 8, it says, the Lord will fulfil His purpose for me. In Philippians 1 verse 6, it says, being confident of this, that He who began a good work in you will carry it on until Christ's completion. He will not abandon you mid-race. Others may be doing what you used to do. You were number seven. Somebody else has stolen your jersey. Give it to them. Give it to them. Say it's yours. Celebrate them. Other people may be spending time late into the night with the same people used to burn the midnight oil with. Got two words for you. One is move and the other is on. I'm about to string them together. (laughs) Move on. There's a time to cry because we're emotional human beings, but there's a time to move on. And I think, I think that you need to wipe the tears away from your eyes. You've done enough processing. Now you're overthinking. Now you're overanalyzing. There is a time to move on. And there's a scripture that's beautiful. It's 1 Samuel 16:1. The Lord said to Samuel, after Saul had blown it, he said, how long will you mourn for Saul since I've rejected him as king? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. It's time to anoint the next king, God said to Samuel. And for everyone in this room, it's time to find the next big thing that God's about to do through your life. Otherwise, you'll be what most Christians are, one-hit wonders. Like the Baha men who let the dogs out, who, who. They've got one hit. They've got one Bohemian Rhapsody, one Hotel California. They've just got one song within them because they failed to move on. And God doesn't want you to be a one-hit wonder. He wants you to be a legend. He wants you to be, he wants you to be like Coldplay. He wants you to have a yellow, have a scientist, have a fix it. He wants you to keep on keeping on with the brilliance that God's placed within your life. Don't be happy with being a one-hit wonder when God wants you to become a legend in the land. God's giving you the oil of joy for mourning. He's refilling your jars full of oil for the new season. Stop crying over spilt milk. Once it's spilt, once it's under the refrigerator, it's very hard to recover it. (laughs) And I see so many people just bent down at their refrigerator thinking I've spilt some milk here. Just let it dry out. 
forget about it. There's nothing we can do. It'll stop smelling shortly. Just, just leave it. Under, just leave it under the refrigerator. Just stop it. You know, there's a world to win for Jesus Christ. Life's rejections are God's ejections into the future. There's a reinvention going on within this place. Sometimes you can you can be doing the same job like I'm the I'm the person who serves the coffees and and uh, you can be getting so itchy scratchy that no one likes you anymore. May I suggest that being likable is part of the trade of Christianity. And uh, because uh, likability is our connectability with other people. And you know there's a lot of people who stop actually liking themselves. And I think sometimes it's because we're in the same position, we've been in that same position for far too long. There comes a time for a reinvention, but nobody goes from number seven to number 12 instantly on the field. They've got to get off the field. They've got to, they've got to take the jersey off. They've got to undo their laces on their boots and just recover a bit, then come out with the number 12 jersey on. And I suggest that some of you just need to get off the field. Now I've introduced not the shelf, but the but the bench, I validated the bench. Some of you just need to, to get off because you're annoying us. <laughs> like we haven't sat down and told you that, right? But, but you are annoying us. You, you've got some indications that some people don't quite like you as much as they did last year, right? But I'm just saying it to you, just as a friendly preacher coming in, not prompted by Chris at all. He hasn't said anything. He hasn't said, Chris, what's this writing about, about these people that annoy you, right? He hasn't said anything about it, but there's a little annoyance going on because you're itchy scratchy. And I think that you wanna do life fresh. And so if you could just move off, then someone else can move on. If you could just give up your jersey, then God's got another jersey for it. The ways of the righteous spiral upwards and not downwards. Mm-hmm. Lost your spark, you've lost your va-va-voom, you've lost your mojo. It's time for a Sabbath rest. It's time to, to allow the season to end. And if you allow this season to end, you'll allow the new season to begin. It's over to you. If you can release your identity from what you're doing and, and who you're hanging around and back to who created you and whose you are, we're in business, says the kingdom of God. It's time for another hit. Jesus said in John 15, verse two, every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Hate that. I know what he's doing so that I could be even more fruitful. In John 12, 24, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies. I hate dying, don't you? <laughs> Just hate it. But unless it dies, it, it abides alone. In other words, it becomes very lonely. And sometimes your loneliness is because you won't let yourself die. You're hanging on to old dreams and old people and old moves and old seasons and old stories. And it, it is always accompanied by loneliness. But if you could just let it die, then God can resurrect an incredible future for your life. If it dies, it produces many seeds. To everyone on an ad break, beware of the grandstand, the looming shadow of cynicism that fills easily, that falls easily upon inactivity and insecurity. Never say the church is never as good as it used to be. Stop going off in a huff. Stop parking your backside on the plastic seats of the stands. It's naughty. 
Okay, let's get the keyboard player back up. So lastly, um, I want to say this. It's not, just the, it's not just the quality of the bench that makes a great team. It's the attitude of the bench. So it's not just the quality of the bench because it's called depth of team. It's the attitude on the bench. That's what makes a great team. And you know, God's camera isn't always on the field. God's camera is actually on, it's on the bench because God wants to know what you're made of. He wants to know what the real motivation of your heart is. Is it just about you or is it actually about others? Did you actually have a heart to bless people from the lowlands of doubt to the highlands of faith or was it all about you and your ministry? Because if it's all about you and your blinking ministry, you can put the ministry back where the sun don't shine because this is about building the house of God. So get your spirit right. Did I just say what I just said? So (laughs) I'm the smiling assassin. When England was losing, as it always does in international football, Beckham was standing, not in a tracksuit, not in chinos. He was standing in Armani, Pierre Carton, Yves Saint Laurent. You need to get changed. You're wearing that COVID tracksuit. for far too long. You put on your Sunday best, put on, put put back on that Armani. I mean, it'll be stretched, right? But put that back on. Put Put some makeup back on your face. And start to head toward the rising sun of the next move of the Spirit of God. Don't devalue the bench. Stop wearing the worst, have carrying the worst attitude, the worst sulkiness. Spark up and start to bench it like Beckham. That's where greatness begins. It doesn't begin on the field. It doesn't begin when you're scoring goals. It begins on the bench. And if this church could bench it like Beckham, This church is in for the greatest days of its entire history. They're ahead of us. I can feel the anointing of that while I'm saying it. As the camera follows the action, God's camera follows you. Some of the greatest goals of the Kingdom are about to be scored. You may not be in a season of high performance, but you can be in a season of high family and high generosity. My wife, she used to run uh, sometimes to Queensland and whenever she was running around an, an oval, uh, the spectators were there and she could see her dad because he had a he had a bald head and she, she could always see the sun bouncing off his head and she knew that he was there. He wasn't high activity, but he was high family. And you build a church on high velocity and high family. It's not just high velocity only. And it's not just high family. It's family and velocity that you build a great church. Every kid needs a dad. Every dad needs a granddad. Every new player needs an uncle. Every son needs a brother. 
You may have been involved in the stupendous goal of 2008 and the winning header of 2009 and the goal from the centre or from the corner of 2010 and 2011. And it's time for a standing ovation for the team of 2021. You gotta not just pass the one baton on, you gotta create a baton factory and encourage every person you see. You might have been confronted by a major family disaster, but that doesn't mean that you stop being family. The Bible says where your treasure is, your heart follows. And when you start to invest in generosity, it's amazing how your heart follows. And this place needs some of the old guard to encourage the new guard and prove to our God that it wasn't all about you. It was about your heart to see the Kingdom spread out. The most happiest people in the world are the most generous people in the world. And your generosity is a private issue. But I suggest in this world of social media, there are now a thousand ways to encourage people and to lift them up. I've closed my little notebook up. But you know, I'll just finish on this, that Dr. Phil, said that, that for every one word of criticism, you need a hundred words of praise that offset it. And I've realised it's, it's not exactly true because I've had one word of criticism, but a hundred words of praise, I still remember the one word of criticism. And I think, wonder why that is so, right? And I realise it's because when people praise me, they're quite lazy. But when they criticise me, they've been working for years. <laughs> on that criticism. Let me sharpening the knife of hatred in the back of the church, week in, week out, when I've been preaching, sharpening that knife. You know? But when Christians praise, they just say, that was good, Dave. But that's not good enough because I'm looking for something specific. If someone says to you or says to me, I love your white top, I'm gonna wear it a lot more than if you didn't say it. And what Christians need to learn the art of, and I would say I'm finishing on this, which I never preach and finish on this, right? Is you need to learn the art of specific praise. You can't just say to your pastors, I'm for you. You know, say, what are you for? Tell them what you're for. You can't just say, oh, you're a genius, mate. Yeah, but what is it that's a genius within our mateship? You have to be very specific. You've got to work on this. You've got to pull out the right words of description because the reason why people do science or become an, a NASA scientist or become a literary agent has nothing to do with talent. It's got everything to do with their teachers. It was the maths teacher that decided to be specific in his praise. It was the English teacher that decided to be specific in her Praise. And that reorientated the life of and has of every person on planet Earth. We think it's talent based, it's not, it's encouragement based. And you could actually now form the future of this church by putting down the knife of criticism. It's, there's, there's, there's a hundred things to criticise all the time as the church stumbles its way into the future. But there are 10,000 things to praise as the church moves itself into the future that God has for it. You wanna find it, you wanna find it, find it. My, my whole livelihood now 
is, is to listen in, in people that don't know Christ, listen to the divine tune that God placed in them at creation. To build relationship, to then take out the discords of fear and doubt, to put in the baseline of the Holy Spirit, to add the unforced rhythm of grace, to add the harmony of the church, and then to place them on the Spotify of human hearts for other people to download the brilliance of. But no one can do that on their own. It takes someone listening to the divine tune, describing the divine tune honing the divine tune. Nobody can pick it up just on their own. And I suggest that this church from this moment goes forth together. Each person praising each other person. The length of the coffee season after church is gonna get longer and longer as you find words to, to describe how brilliant Rhiannon is, how brilliant each one of you are. That's the Kingdom of God. I don't need anyone to sharpen knives against me. I've got Satan. Satan is doing that day and night. He needs no help from humankind. And I just implore you on behalf of the pastors of this church to build them up in the most holy faith. Start with your pastors and work your way to, to people you don't know, but go up and describe the brilliance that you see and that will change them forever. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it has blessed you. If you would like to find out more about Awaken City Church, visit awakencity.com.au.